Hi, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is 3K12 Education Talk Radio, and it is the 21st of September, 2023. And our guest today is going to be Emily Mitchell. Okay, Emily is the uh, VP of Education over at Sylvan Learning. She's going to tell us all about Sylvan Learning. But uh, we're going to talk about insights on the how and the why of ACT, SAT prep. What's going on with that? How important it is? Why it's still important? Okay, what you need to know, what the parents, what your kids need to know, et cetera, because it is important to them. All right, quite obviously, we want to get some great information out there, and Emily seems to be the right person to be able to give that to us. So I'll bring Emily on in just a couple of minutes, but it's going to be a nice show, which we're going to archive, as you know, over at ace-ed.org. And, of course, that begs the question, if you know it, why am I saying it again? To remind you, okay, ace-ed.org, A-C-E, dash ed.org that's the home website of our american consortium for equity in education and we invite you over there everything over there is free all the podcasts we've done over there thousands of them are free so many now it's unbelievable our magazine equity and access pre-k 12 which is our online journal the covers there click through you'll be able to read an excellent magazine believe me it's excellent and also our excellence in equity awards program is linked there. Go over, check that out. We'd love to uh, have you get involved with all your colleagues and friends in the education world. And uh, we're, we're putting together a whole new and different program. It's exciting. It's fun for us. And we just finished the industry side, and now we're going to do the educator side. Again, everything is free over there for you at ace-ed.org. Good stuff. And so is this podcast today with Emily, who I am bringing on right now. That was quick. Hi, Emily. It's Larry here. Hi, Larry. Good morning. Good morning to you. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Thanks for having me on today. Well, my pleasure. Are you kidding me? I did notice you were there number like 15 minutes early. I appreciate that. Thank you, Emily. My pleasure. Yeah, you did good. I got to tell you. So tell us about yourself a little bit. I know you were a teacher for a while. And tell us about uh, Sylvan Learning. And I think a lot of people know what Sylvan Learning is, but I'd like to hear it described from your end. Rather anecdotally, sure. let's do the real thing. Go ahead. Brag a bit. Sure. All right. So uh, I started out as a middle school language arts teacher out of college oh. in um, a district outside of Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, I, I really enjoyed my classroom time, but I felt like it wasn't um, – it was a close fit, but not the exact yeah, started, sure. uh, the transition over to uh, education technology and kind of fell in love with that. And I've been there ever since and landed at Sylvan about – 12 years ago, and uh, I, I really think that Sylvan is the my favorite place I've ever worked because nice. we really do what we say we do. I mean, unfortunately, I've, I've worked for companies big and small, and they don't always live up to their mission statement, so it feels really nice to be at a place where we actually do. Wow, nicely so, said. Nicely said. Tell us what Sylvan exactly is doing these days. That was nice. I appreciate right. that. And by the way, sure. I appreciate, you know, not everybody's cut out to be a classroom teacher, but people still like education. All right. And sure. what you did, your your career path, was is, is, it's something that everybody should respect and admire. I really like that. But anyway, oh. go ahead. I mean it. Yeah, there are a lot of people in education who, um, you know, for various reasons might not think that the, the classroom is a great fit. So I'm, I'm exactly. really thrilled that I found a great spot. And so at Sylvan, what we concentrate on is um, tutoring, as you may know. Um, we've yes. been around for next year. It's going to be our 45th year, believe it or not. Yeah. 
Yeah, actually, I do because people people know Sylvan Learning. I mean, they know it. Yeah. It, that simple. Yeah. It, it, yeah, with something we all we all know. But you know, I, I want to say this. You know, uh, you've been around for forty years. Things have changed in forty years. Okay, so yeah. still been learning along with the times. That's what we're aiming at here. Go ahead, continue. I'll just keep yeah. annoying you. I'll keep interrupting you until we get this all done. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right, yeah. So we, we've always concentrated on, on helping students kind of, you know, keep up, catch up, get ahead. But as you said, the landscape has really changed, especially since the pandemic. And so yeah. we're finding families who are coming to us with needs that maybe they never thought they were going to have in the past. So yeah. Our job is to make sure that not only do we make sure the students are learning at the level they're supposed to, mainly in reading and math, and, and our kind of sweet spot is for grades three through six, but we do have uh, tutoring services for pre-K through 12. Um, but, you know, families are, are struggling in ways they haven't struggled before. We're having families come to us with students who are a lot more behind than, than we used to see prior mm-hmm. to the pandemic. Really focusing our needs now on um, oh, yeah. the biggest changes we're seeing, which is uh, early literacy is a big one, especially for yep. the, the crop of kids who had to go through kindergarten on Zoom. And um, yep. and, and math, those have been the, the biggest yeah. two areas of struggle we've been seeing. So we're concentrating a lot on, on helping those students catch up. And we also provide school services. So we've been called into a lot of school districts just to uh, provide supplemental tutoring for, for those groups as well. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was just going to ask you that question because you kept saying families. You know, families call us for this, families call us for that. And I think everybody knows that, okay? But what you said yeah. at the end was exactly the question I was going to ask you, okay? Are you, and I will ask it, and you could go into a little more detail on this. You are working with school districts, okay? What's happening yeah. there? And that's, that's a whole different world, by the way, you know, it as is. opposed to teaching little Larry math, which, by the way, didn't work. You guys are not involved in that fiasco. Okay. <laughs> Never worked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But what's so going we, on as you work with school districts? And this is very important to our audience. Go ahead. Oh, great. It's good. Yeah. So we've always provided um, services to schools. Kind of, it's, you know, definitely not what we were known for, but it's something we've always done, usually through Title I funding, you know, for, ah, for I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, those are two economic areas and, you know, schools that title, uh, that qualify for Title I, and they would bring us in for um, Tier 2 services. So it would be students who are um, about a year or so, a year, year and a half behind, and, you know, hopes to get them up, largely to get them ready for end-of-the-year state testing. Um, once the ESSER funding came about, we started getting, I mean, our phone was ringing off the hook because, the Department of Education was advocating for high dosage tutoring, which is exactly what we've been providing for 40 years. And um, yes. we were really, really thrilled when, when folks started reaching out to us and, and wanted that kind of tutoring for their school. Even sometimes during the school day, they would want us to come in and be part of the school day. Wow. I didn't know, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. And I have to ask this, um, where are you folks getting your, uh, your tutors from? Are they teacher? Are they current teachers who work after school? Are they retired teachers? It's probably all of the above. But everybody likes to know that. How do you make sure that the tutors, let me be blunt, know what they're talking about? Sure. Yeah, and and we've had to look kind of high and low for for tutors as well as as schools have been lately. You know, the teacher shortage has kind of hit everyone. Oh yeah. But traditionally, we do have classroom teachers who would come to us um, after they finish teaching their school day, and they would come and, and tutor in the afternoons and early evenings for Sylvan. So there's that's still happening. 
And then um, we've also kind of tapped into retired teachers groups. Good. And they, and a lot of those folks just, you know, they miss the classroom. They're great teachers with a lot of experience, but they don't necessarily want a, you know, a full-time job or to come back. So it, it lets them have, um, kind of recreate those good experiences they remember from their classroom days with the kids, but it doesn't tie them down in a way a full-time position would. Yeah, it's it's so interesting the way tutoring has changed, Sylvan has changed, et cetera, et cetera. And, I, and again, everybody knows the name. I'm, they were able to catch up and find out all the cool things that they're doing right now. And I want to ask you about this now, what, what we wanted to talk about today, and I know you wanted to talk about this as well. We have the SATs and the ACTs. Okay, which, as you well know, have been a little bit under fire these days, and a lot of schools, colleges are dropping them. Okay, but they're still important. Okay, they are still part of the picture. All right, and and you know everybody's going through change and all that as 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 the culture changes, etc. But it's still important, still something that kids strive to do well in. All right. And so I'm going to ask you some of the questions you wanted me to ask you, because I know you're an expert in this. First of all, are a lot of kids still taking the SATs and ACTs? They are. Um, and for the same reasons I think taking them is that they, they want to find different ways to help themselves stand out to the colleges and universities they're applying to. And hmm. test scores is one of the ways that they can do that. Well, if a school doesn't look at the SATs and ACTs, can kids still submit an SAT and ACT to that school just so they can see what the score is? Do you know? Most of the most of the schools will take the scores um, if you want the school if you want the school to look at it. So our advice is oh, always there you you go. Know, look at yeah, look at look at where you're applying. Figure out what the average scores are for the students who are accepted because all of that information is public. It's you know, pretty easy to find. And then go ahead and take the test. And if your scores are at or above the average of the accepted students at that school, go ahead and submit hmm. them. It's definitely not going to hurt you. But if you're not a great test taker, you had a bad day, you know, whatever it might be, if you're applying to a test optional school, they really will not hold it against you if you don't submit scores. Yeah, I, when, I, when I took the SATs, I must have had a bad day almost five times in a row. Okay? It was a bad day. <laughs> I never did well in those things, but I never did well in a standardized test anyway. Okay? It just, uh, like it, I know. A lot of people don't. That's why I'm glad some colleges look at other things as well. I hope more do. But I think the SATs and ACTs are extremely important. How are they? Okay? And I, I know you know this on predicting how well a kid is going to do in college, and, and I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm the opposite, I'm the antithesis, okay? I did lousy on my SATs and very, very well in college, okay? So talk to me about how, how what, what kind of predictive capabilities do they have? And I think this is important stuff. It, it is important, and I think they're not as great of a predictor as a lot of folks think they might be, and um, that's largely because of a study that was done a few years back that said the number one predictor of how well a student will do on the SAT or ACT is household income, which is huh, not wow. the way it should be. Wow. Yeah, it's not the way it should be. It's right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of colleges were recognizing that. For the pandemic and they're starting you know there's already some pushback there and then once um, the students couldn't sit in person for the test because of the pandemic then that was the perfect time for colleges to really take a hard look and say do we really need these tests or not what kind of value are they really bringing to the table and and, and they still are bringing some value but it also gave the schools kind of the permission to look at things from a different angle 
Right, but they are still looking at them. They they are still extremely usable. All right, and and you, you know, are the guidance counselors, the school counselors, up to this to help kids? I mean, it, it, what's what's the general feeling out there? Is the general feeling, yeah, I should take them, or is the general feeling, nah, the hell with it? The general feeling is go ahead and take them because even if you vomit. If you're, again, if you're applying to a school that doesn't necessarily need to see them, it's not going to hurt you. And there are some uh, states yeah. out there that buy state scholarships to test scores on the SAT or ACT. And so if this gives you a shot at free money for school, you know, why not take it? It's a great chance to uh, good, explore good your point. financial. Yeah. Florida is a big one that will do that with their state schools. Well, that, that is very interesting. And thank you for saying that. So where does Sylvan fit in on all this? Okay. Talk to me about sure. what you we guys have, do with SAT, ACT. This is interesting. Sure. We have SAT and ACT prep courses. It's, um, you know, content that we've designed ourselves over, you know, 40-some years of experience <laughs> and um, lots and lots of students who have taken the test after studying with us. And one of the big undertakings we have right now is, um, as you may know, there's a new SAT coming out in March of 24. I and do know. this will be the first – it's all digital. And so a lot of families are getting nervous about, you know, new format, new tests, are we really ready? So we're, we're starting even now to hear from families who want to start studying now for the new test format. Well, I mixed up. What would be the difference in the test between digital and would it be analog or not digital or written or whatever? Why would digital uh, make a difference? I'm just, I, I literally don't understand that. Yeah. So the test is, um, it's, more than just a transfer of the traditional paper pencil test with the bubble sheets into a digital format. They're also making it um, adaptive. So usually ah. when you have a computer adaptive test, you know, you answer one question. If you get it right, the next question's a little harder. If you answer it wrong, next one's a little easier. And the, the difficulty in the test will adjust up and down depending on how the student does. The SAT is a little different in their adaptability, whereas it's adaptive by uh, half of test. So the student takes the first half of the test. You don't know how you've done, but the second half of the test, the difficulty of the second half of the test will be determined by how well you did on the first half of the test. So um, the students, that, I mean, that's going to be a big adjustment for a lot of kids because they won't necessarily know which second half they've been put into unless they can really judge how easy or difficult the questions are that the test is serving them. That is that is really fascinating, which goes a long way to explaining why after I took the first half of the test, they asked me to do an essay on Good Night Moon. Okay, that was as good <laughs> as I could get. Right, so yeah. <laughs> adaptive for Larry. Okay, it was wow. That so I, so knowing all that. Okay, how did you train kids to to do better in it? Okay, because you have, have I mean, have you guys seen what's going on? This is really interesting. So you have to be. You have to be proactive on all this. This is coming down the pike. All right. So how do it you is. how do you how do you find people and then train the kids and to to train the kids and how do you train them? This is great. Yeah. Well, the first place we had to start is is gathering all the information out about the new test um, from College Board so that we had enough ramp up time to make sure our materials and student workbooks and teacher training was was ready and. Um, you know, College Board was releasing information kind of in, in dribs and drabs, so that was was not always easy to get everything that we, we needed. But um, 
we were able to put everything together and um, we put the final touches on our, our new updated program, which we'll talk about um, test taking strategies for the new test. Um, you know, the, one of the strategies that we advocate for is that you should try to guess, even if you don't, you're not going to get dinged for a wrong answer, so it's best to answer everything. The essay portion is gone now, which is new. So the test overall test will be shorter than it was before because you know it was it was really grueling. It was what, about three hours. You'd have to sit there. So and I hard, remember. It was hard. Hard yeah. chair, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and, and, and so for me it was a long time ago, and I remember it's still indented on my memory. I can yeah, almost oh, tell you what yeah. I wore. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah. Me too. And you had to bring your sharpened number two pencils exactly. and the whole thing. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So those days are gone. Um, Good. And this test will be a little more forgiving for students who have trouble with the uh, the endurance aspect of the test. Excellent. Uh, yeah. So there there are still test taking strategies that we would um, that were true before that will be true again, and some um, that students are going to have to pivot a little bit now that the test is adaptive. Well, what 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 changes in the test taking strategy? Just a little hint so on the, that. What is it that changes? So one of the the big things is you, you don't want to get discouraged because the by the nature of the test being adaptive, if you figure out once you're in that second half that you're in the easier part of the test, you know, that can really tank a student's confidence. So hmm. one of the things you say is really just just keep going. Don't assume you've been put in the easier half, um, even if you if you strongly suspect it. Keep going as if you were going to get your 1600, and try not to lose focus because really, you know, the test is not going to tell you which half you're in, and it's not going to tell you your score as you go through. So the best thing to do is keep pushing forward and don't let those little seeds of doubt sink in because you That's could be actually tanking your confidence, yeah, which you don't want to the, do. So can you still, if you're, if, if it adapts to you taking the, um, the I don't know how to say this, the, 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 the less strenuous uh, the second mm -hmm. half, it's adaptable, can you still get a 1600? Or, no, or, you or does that automatically say you can't get a 16? Not that you know that, but can't, does it say you now can't get a 1600? The only 1600 right. is for the top level. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. So uh, yeah, especially for super high achieving kids, if they suspect they've been put in the lower half, they might think, well, my shot at a 1600 or something close to it is gone, so I might as well, you know, throw in the towel. But, you know, our advice is, is don't do that. Keep going because you might, your guess might be wrong that you're in the BVS. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it reminds me, because I, 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 I know this for a fact, years ago, not that many years ago, but a few years ago, uh, kids would graduate as valedictorians of their class. In, in, in yeah. Boston, there was a big article, and in, in Detroit, I know this was happening, and they, they would assume that they had performed well, and then they, they would mm -hmm. wind up going to community college, and there's a lot of African-American kids and Latino kids, and they would wind up, it turned out they were reading at a fifth grade level. Remember, they, they were just valedictorian of their class, okay? So yeah. it creates a false positive, if I may. Not that these kids are stupid. It's it's. It has to do with school resources and everything else you can imagine. You said it before, the more money you have, the, the easier it is to do this. So you don't want a false positive. You don't want a, a, a student to be accepted to Harvard with a 1600, but they're not, they're, not, they're not ready for that yet. doesn't mean they can't do it, but they're not ready for it yet. Okay? And the way this thing adapts gives, gives the information 
to the college that what that that they need about this particular student. At least it it puts some kind of measure on it. That's very very interesting. And wow, that that's, that 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 can make that can make real difference on college success. Okay, and you know the yeah. frustration level. Yes, it's very interesting. That's very very interesting. You know. So yeah. let me. I, I have to ask you this. With all this, okay. Now I know you have test taking strategies that you're teaching the kids, but the, the tutors that you have, and I'm, I'm very curious about this. How do they learn about the test taking strategy? I know they're good at math and I know they're good at reading. They're teachers. Okay. And they've been right. good at that for years, but they're not experts. And I had just a conversation with the, about this yesterday with somebody. They're not experts at testing. They're not experts right. at, um, at creating tests. They're not interested experts at taking tests. How do you get yeah. those people? Where do they come from? Who are they? Or how do well, you train them? Maybe that's a better way to put it. I don't know. Yeah, well, we look for teachers who have SAT uh, or ACT um, administration experience or scoring experience, because ah. a lot of times companies will, especially for, um, you know, the open-ended portions of the questions, historically, they would hire, you know, kind of an army of teachers to, to score, which they don't necessarily need to do anymore, but those folks still are out there who did have that kind of experience, because it wasn't that long ago that they, they did need that that army of teachers. But... Um, you know, that would be the first thing we look for. And then the second thing we would look for is um, secondary experience, you know, junior high, senior high teachers. And then we oh, can train them on us taking strategies. We have, a, we have a teacher guide so that, you know, the teachers can refer to it as they're, as they're doing the prep courses. So we, we can make sure they have all the resources they need, even if it's their first go-around uh, teaching SAT or ACT prep. It, it, it's so interesting, and I have to ask you this. I, you heard at the beginning, I hope, that we're the American, American Consortium for Equity in Education. Yes. And to me, as we're talking here, and the adaptiveness of the, uh, of the testing, et cetera, et cetera, what you said at the beginning, that kids do better the, the, in the higher economic classes, et cetera, really what we're boiling down to, and this is where Sylvan kind of fits in nicely, and I want people to understand this. This is, a, a, in many ways, an equity question. Okay, we're mm-hmm. kind of trying to, to make kids get, have more confidence than they used to, find out exactly yeah. where they are and go to the right place. Talk about Sylvan, if you if, please, from an equity point of view, as you see it. And I know you have thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that's always on our mind. And, and that's why our school services um, division is so important to me, because we're able to serve thousands of students whose families might never have been able to afford us otherwise. And um, yeah, that's yeah. where I feel like really, we really do our best work. So, um, you know, on our focuses for Title I funding, we work at uh, we work with boys and girls clubs across the country oh, and provide Great. supplemental services there. So we, anytime we see an opportunity where we can help lift a large group of students who, who really do need services, we, we dive in and, and really want to help out as much as we can. What do you want kids teachers, whoever, well, I'll say parents or teachers, where do you want them to start taking notice that they might need a program like Sylvan offers? And I know I'm going to just read off your website here, personalized tutoring, math mystery, mm-hmm. uh, math mastery, excuse me, uh, reading mm-hmm. programs, yes. et cetera. And you're flexible on other stuff too, summer learning, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Got a show coming up on that in about an hour. Okay. But my, my, my question is, okay, where, where do you want this to start? What do you want? Who do you want to notice the need? Emily. 
Well, I think um, I think teachers already know the need. They see it every day in their classrooms, and I think schools are aware of the need. I think we're seeing a new disconnect now where uh, our research is saying, and other folks have done research on this too, where parents are thinking, well, you know, the, the pandemic's behind us. Learning loss isn't really a thing anymore. My child's report card looks okay. I'm not really worried about it. But then you look at the actual test scores from across the country, and you think, my God, they haven't been this bad in decades. And so there's a big disconnect there between parents who think their children are doing fine and the reality of what's happening under the school roof. So um, I would really encourage parents everywhere to say, okay, I see this as a B. Is this a B because my child earned a B, or is it a B because my child is getting some grace along with the other kids at the school because the whole school is behind and therefore yeah. the school is putting more weight on participation, effort, you know, those kinds of qualities. So make sure, you know, parents out there everywhere really know what that report card means because it might not necessarily mean what you think it means. It's amazing that you're saying that. Yesterday I did a show with a guy in a, a podcast with a guy named Joe Feldman who runs Crescendo Education Group. They're all about equitable grading, and what you just said is exactly what they were talking about, how important grading is and how inconsistent yeah. it is and how really no it, – it's true. We try our best, but we really don't know how to do it properly and consistently. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Across right. the school district, across you know what? What Mr. Jacobs is is, 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 is I, the kids would rather have Mr. Jacobs that rather than Mr. Schwartz because Mr. Schwartz gives B's and Mr. Jacobs gives A's, but they're both teaching at the yeah. same school. Okay, teaching right. the same exact thing. Okay, how was yeah. that possible? Okay, and yeah. so it, it's that kind of a thing. You have to be parents have to be very, 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 very aware of this, and teachers need to be aware of this too. And before we leave here, Emily, I got to ask you something because I just noticed something on your website. I would you talk about this because yeah. we are talking to an audience of educators. All right. Mm -hmm. And it, it says here, I just clicked on it, own a Sylvan. And I've clicked through. Hope you don't mind me doing yeah. this. And it says we're no, the number one edu education franchise opportunity. And I'm thinking, you know, a lot of teachers, they might be interested in Do, do you want to talk about this? Actually, that's a, that's a great question because um, over the summer, we actually just had an, an educator special for um, for franchise sales oh, for you know, people who are ready to leave the classroom, try something else. And um, we actually offer them support in, you know, we know, we know they're coming to us with a strong education background, but maybe they've never run a business before. So we also of can offer them some business skills to make sure that they're successful in, in, in both areas. And we do have a lot of really great former educators who come in and, and you know, well, they, they want to make it a different difference in their community, and they're doing some really great things. I'm very proud of our educator franchisees, for sure. That's a, that's a that's nice thing. It's just something I thought I'd re mention because I think it's important to people out there. And, uh, you know, all those people, they're still educators. They're just not working yep. at a school, okay? Well, they may be working at a school, but they, they're, they're, they're educators in the world of business, helping, still helping kids doing the same thing. Uh, we, I, I always say that, you know, and I say that to teachers all the time, I, a lot of the mm -hmm. teachers are involved in our industry almost 100%. Everybody's an ex-teacher like you are, okay, yeah. like I am, all yeah. right, like so many people I know. Probably 90% mm -hmm. of the industry is ex-teachers, et cetera. And yeah. there's so many opportunities for educators out there. I hope they all stay, but my point is if you're already out of it or thinking about getting out, this is a good way to stay in and help, okay? It's a it good really way to is. stay in it, Yeah. Yeah, and what we say is if you're, you know, if you're an educator franchisee and you're, like, you're kind of having a hard day, 
you know, with anything, the best thing you can do is walk out onto the education floor and look at the six-year-olds who are learning how to read, and you see, like, those little light bulbs come on. You can't have a bad day when when you're surrounded by that. So it's, it's a great thing. Yeah, it is a great thing. You're doing good stuff out there. Thank you, Emily. This was terrific. I'm so glad we got this together. This is excellent. And we're going to stay in touch. If that's okay, I really like the equity side of this. I think you do too. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about doing more. Okay. This is good stuff. People need to know about it. For having me on. Thank you. Okay. For being here. You take care. Have a good day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. Okay, everybody. That was Emily Mitchell. She's pretty good. Okay. Sylvan Learnings, Vice President of Education. She started as a classroom teacher, okay? Sylvan's been around a long time, but they're changing with the times, okay? It's important what they're doing, both for personal level for kids and also for school district level for kids, school level for kids. I think it's really good. I'm so glad we got this show together. Okay, it's good. Thank you very much, Emily. I appreciate it all. We're going to archive over at ace-ed.org. And if you want to get in touch with me, it's Larry at ace-ed.org. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good day.